Hi everyone, my name is Evan from JimBuddy AI and welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Today we'll be talking about using AI and Realm to empower your workouts. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast. I'm Shane McAllister and as ever, whether you're a new listener or a regular subscriber, we're glad to have you tune in and join us. In this episode, we continue our mobile makers series, talking with app developers and founders building the next big thing. In this episode, we jump into the area of fitness and AI. Evan Burbage is the founder of GymBuddy, a training and fitness app that leverages artificial intelligence to suggest progressive workouts. Built with React Native and MongoDB's Realm SDKs, GymBuddy launched in March this year and is proving a hit with its users and growing a steady base of fans. Evan shares his journey with us, his insights into using AI, his plans for GymBuddy, and his advice for anyone considering kicking off their side project. Speaking of kicking things off, do you know that our MongoDB.local series of events has started and is coming to over 30 cities globally this year? Join us in person at a MongoDB.local event to connect with MongoDB experts, meet fellow users building the next big thing, and be amongst the first to hear our latest announcements. To learn more about where and when our .local events are happening, visit mongodb.com forward slash events to find out more. And with that, let's get on with the show. Evan, welcome to the MongoDB podcast. We're really delighted to have you join us. Why don't you, for our audience, just do a proper introduction to yourself, who you are, what you do, and also a bit of your background, how you ended up being where you are today. Yeah, so I'm Evan. I've been a developer here in Ireland for about I'm coming up to 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I work for HubSpot in my day-to-day job as a tech lead on their feedback team. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in my free time, just like the mess around with different applications and stuff like that and my background is actually I started out as a designer and in my first job as a designer I realized how much more engineers were making so I decided to switch careers <laughs> went back did a like conversion masters and came back the next year working for a company called Blueface where I got my start and then since then I've worked for a few companies here in Ireland abroad in Germany and then back to Ireland again just to be closer to family and closer to home. Excellent. It's great to have you on board. It's interesting to hear that designer background. I did engineering, but I wanted to be a product designer. I went off and I studied that and became a product designer for a number of years. And that was a tough career move and choice because it was a a very tight market here in Ireland. So then I got into software and engineering back again. But I think designers at a certain level you said you changed because you realized engineers and developers got paid more. I think designers at a certain level also get paid a lot more now. I think the design and the look and feel of products and software and interfaces has come a long way since the early days. So I don't know if that would be the case now, whether designers get paid less than developers. It probably depends. I think it was just my, my circumstances at the time. But yeah, it's what gave me that kind of push to become a developer. And uh, yeah, lucky enough that I had those kind of visual skills to bring into front-end development. So thankfully, it's helped me excel at it. That's it. It's always still there, right? So and that leads us to how I got to get you to come on the podcast. Uh, Essentially, we met a couple of weeks back at a meetup in the MongoDB offices in Dublin. I was presenting, but you were also presenting after. 
on an app that you have built. And as you said at the beginning, your day job is HubSpot, but this is a personal project that you've taken on, the Gym Buddy app or Gym Buddy AI. Tell us about that, Evan. So I'll start from kind of last year. I was getting married and hired a personal trainer, saw great results. And then mm-hmm. after the wedding, had a bit of a crash and needed to get back into the gym. So I booked the same trainer. And he then left his job because he had an opportunity to open his own gym. And okay. that was great for him. But it left me at a bit of a loss. Like I didn't have my schedule anymore. I didn't have someone to push me and stuff like that. So I started searching around for apps and couldn't find anything and started playing with some AI to see if it could give me like a nice workout schedule. And that mm. was kind of, I got like the start of that idea. So once I figured out how to leverage that best for myself, I had a few people approach me and ask could they use it. And that's when I said, okay, how am I going to get this to them? And I was like, well, I build some website that they can do and make it responsive. And then I was thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind learning a bit React Native. So mm-hmm. I decided to build like the very first version of the app. I actually had someone say to me the other day, the difference between version one and the current version, it's like night and day, the mm. difference in mm. functionality. So <laughs> yeah, you can tell the first version of the app wasn't very good. I think that's always the way I know, having been an app developer for years, is you've got to be willing to put your child out into the world you've got to get that version one out there and you need to put it out there warts and all because you could spend so long looking at the details and the minute and never ever launch your app and at the end of the day you might have spent tons of time building features that actually day-to-day users won't use so when did you put out the first version of gym buddy so the first version went out in early march i started building it I did a one-week build at the very end of February and okay. got it out onto the Play Store then in March. And that was like the basic bare bones. Here's your workouts. You can record some results. So it was a very fast turnaround. And I gave myself that challenge of one to two weeks to get something out because I had mm-hmm. done other side projects in the past where I just kept adding features and more features and then it just never took off. So okay. I didn't want to spend too much time on it if it wasn't going to work out again. So yeah, I just gave myself that deadline of the one to two weeks and then got version one out into the wild. Excellent. I think that artificial self-imposed deadline is a really good way to go about it. You mentioned you were thinking of a website, but then you decided to learn React Native and build an app. Was this the first mobile app that you'd ever built? It's actually the second. So during COVID, remember we all used to have to sign our names into restaurants and we were going to yeah. the shop. The contact so tracing. I actually built an app where companies could do contact tracing through scanning a QR code on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I was about to pitch it to McDonald's in Tala in Dublin mm-hmm. because the amount of footfall they would get every day, like they have two restaurants within 500 meters of, of each other. Mm-hmm. And the amount of footfall that they would get was just ridiculous. And I saw they were just recording it in A4 pads. So I thought, okay, okay there's like a gap here. I can jump in. And just as I had version one ready, they announced all restrictions were ended. Okay. So that app just went to sleep on the shelf. <laughs> so the learnings you had from building your first app, obviously you, you had a little bit of a head start in building this. You mentioned that the impetus was the fact that your trainer had got on, got a different gym, no longer was there to help you with your own workout plans, etc. as well, too. Obviously, the the gym space, the fitness space, is 
apart from maybe social media and maybe the TV apps is probably the largest category in the app stores. The devices, our phones, Android iPhones and watches, etc., are all there to prompt us to be fitter, prompt us to take more steps, measure our activity. So this is a really crowded space. Did you have any apprehensions in entering this space with an app to try and make a business out of it? So I think because this is a bootstrapped project, like I didn't, I didn't have to worry about repaying any investor capital or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just something that I did in spare time and was able to get out into the world. It is a very crowded space. Like if you Google any of the kind of major apps at the moment, like they're all these freemium models and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I have noticed with a lot of them is that none of them are leveraging generative AI to kind of give that boost to generating workouts. The kind of big players in this space, like Everfit and Truecoach, when I went in to try out their trials, when I was looking for something to replace my own app, like none of them are leveraging this stuff. And like they have libraries with thousands and thousands of workouts that are submitted by trainers all around the world. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing there, like you have to go manually drag and drop what you want to do for a workout. There's nothing to suggest, oh, you should do this and this based on mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. criteria. So that's where I saw the gap for me to slip in with GymBuddy. And then since then, like it's been like a nice, slow and steady acclimation of users. But so far, the feedback that I've gotten is that like people are liking this and they're liking the fact mm-hmm. that they can just generate a workout and have something there for the week to know what to do instead of going into the gym and being like, oh, I think I'll do this machine and then I think I'll try that machine. Like they know exactly like I need to do A, B, C, and D. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they should see results from that. So the problem you saw or what differentiates or what sets you apart from the other apps was the use of AI. Nowadays, AI seems to be everywhere, but it's really only in the last six or eight months that we've seen it come to predominantly be in the media and everybody's talking about it. So you were early on board with this. How are you using it and what platforms, what do you use to help you create the AI that's behind GymBuddy? So as part of my initial research into this, I spent a long time getting the prompt right that was like one of the most important parts like some of the earlier prompts that used just weren't coming out with the right data they weren't coming out with the data in the format that i needed so once i figured that out it was quite easy to leverage chat gpt to give me these workouts i was looking into a train models but because of pricing and stuff like that i'm a little apprehensive and then i found out about a open source large language model called dolly from a company called databricks so mm-hmm. myself and a friend of mine that is quite interested in this project, we're going to do a bit of research into seeing if we can set up our own hosted image of Dolly in order right. to train the model better for our users and just create better output. So eventually the plan is like, Shane, if you're on the app and you've done these workouts and you have these results, it's okay, like we can push you a bit more. Maybe we need to pull it back a bit more mm-hmm. and we're going to start training the model to be able to do that future future like far down the line what i'd love to see is this thing just predicts your week for you like it knows maybe based on your calendar like oh we have a lot of meetings this day we'll do a nice relaxing work at this night or you've Mm, mm. you were off on holiday we'll do a nice ease back into a kind of workout on the first day or you've done two days of heavy intense weight training we'll do a nice stretching day and a swim this day that's the far future that i see with this product 
Or the reverse of that then, Evan, is that you've done nothing. You've been sitting on the couch for two days. You need to move or we'll start to, I don't know, penalize you or post on social that you're being super lazy, right? (laughs) No, even then, like you need to ease the user back into it because Mm. say you've been training and then you start sitting around for a while, like you do get a lot stiffer so in that case i'd like it to be able to predict okay you should do 10 minutes of stretching some light cardio to get moving again and some light weights start warming up all the muscle groups again then have it predict that incremental like back to your full training schedule by the end of that week or like two weeks Mm -hmm. just like the main thing that i want to avoid is just like throwing a workout at someone and then hearing back oh i couldn't move for two days or there was a fun one after i played wee boxing years ago Someone said I looked like a T-Rex because my arms were actually stuck up from holding up the boxing game. And I love so it. I don't want anyone to T-Rex themselves. <laughs> so when did you first push the version one up on the stores? That was the start of March. I started spamming a few Reddit threads and stuff like that and mm-hmm. got about 20 to 30 users. So that was pretty good. And then a few of those users were close friends, so I just sent that directly to them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then got some good feedback which i then started implementing for version two and then a friend of mine that i used to work with is actually starting up his own company and was wondering could he help out with design and stuff like that so i said yeah sure thing like here's what i have at the moment and then he came up with a really nice ui kit for us to use mm-hmm. uh, so now like the very first version was like a real kind of dark background white text and now it's just a really nicely laid out application with kind of accents in all the right places so you're three months or so in i know from prior history but also from anecdotally from others success on the app store is hard there's over a million apps in both the ios and android app stores and as we said earlier it's a crowded space how have you promoted gym buddy so far how have you gained those first customers and Outside of the friends and family, you know, where was, where did you see the first influx of customers that you had no touch point with that you went, there's something here, let's keep at this. So at first it was a lot of uh, spamming Reddit threads and just been like, oh, you want something to help with your workout? Here's an app. And not getting Um, downvoted or kicked off. (laughs) Trying not to. Since then I started using Reddit ads. That drove a fair chunk of traffic. And then there was a website called There's an AI for that we submitted our product onto there and so far that has generated over 2000 visitors to the website and within two or three days of being posted on that we noticed an uptick from Mm -hmm. about four users up to near enough 300 users okay and then since that kind of initial spike then it's been slow and steady and the last time i checked we had about 440 users on the app so it's been a nice kind of growth in the past few months and it's at a rate that i'm quite happy with because we're still figuring out different bits and pieces to improve and make better so i'm happy with that level of growth and then lately we've actually started a free newsletter just to try up that conversion of people visiting our website to the app looking at the numbers here like i can see in the past month we've had nine thousand visitors to the website and I'm wondering, like, okay, why haven't they converted yet? So to give them, like, a taste of what this AI can actually do, we've started a free newsletter called Weekly Workout. So basically, that's just 
sign up for free and every Sunday night we send out a workout for the week for people to do. We just published our first issue of that there yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so far, like we have nearly a 40% open rate on that and about a 25% click through rate. So I'm happy with those numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's really good from my knowledge of newsletters and open rates in the past that's that's really good stats there for our audience anyway where do they go to sign up for that though evan there's two places you can go if you want to sign up for the app you go to gymbuddy.ai or mm-hmm. if you want to just get that taster you can go to weeklyworkout.fyi very good when we'll add those into the show notes so people can click on the links then as well too so you have an android app and an ios app in the stores a moment but the app is also for not only personal use, but also for trainers to use with their, I suppose, clients. How does that work and what's different for each? Yeah, so as part of building this, I built myself an admin dashboard mm-hmm. just in case the AI went haywire and I had to go in and fix something up for a customer. Um, <laughs> like I don't want to be going straight into the database and digging around in there. Sure. A lot of the time. Yeah, I made this admin dashboard and a friend of mine who's a trainer, I showed it to him and he was like, oh, this is cool. Like, you can schedule new workouts and stuff. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, did a trainer use this? And that kind of got me thinking, like, I suppose they could. Over that weekend, then I packaged up a small package of, you can go in, you can sign up your clients and you can add, remove workouts. Still a lot of work to do on that, but like I do kind of plan on doing that in the next month or so. So trainers are able to leverage the same AI platform that our users are able to do, but they can do mm-hmm. one workout at a time. Mm-hmm. So I can go in, say I go into your profile, I can say, see, okay, you don't have any workouts. I'm going to add a new arms workout. That will be generated by AI. But then say something goes haywire, it gives you two different versions of bench pressing to do. Mm-hmm. I can take that out and add something else in. Or if I see, oh, this is going to be like a very intense workout, I can chop and change it to make it a little easier. On average, design of workouts for clients takes about two minutes less because mm-hmm. we've already designed the workout. You just might need to edit it. Say something went a little haywire with the AI where you got two sets of bench presses in the one workout. You don't want to work someone that bad with bench press. And yeah, it's quite easy then for the trainer to just go in and swap out that one workout instead of having to drag and drop each individual piece of that workout into it. Yes, and yeah. Like that work is already done for them makes the trainer more just oh yeah i'll sign off on this rather than i'm going to go in and spend my time designing this okay yeah, so if pretty- you're a trainer with maybe 50 clients you're going to save a ton of time on that plus you're the fact that you are looking at the client's workouts you're giving that personal touch to it you're signing off on it but you're making sure that they're going in the right direction i would imagine that changes the business model slightly differently from a to consumer model from the app store and download to I need to go out and talk to a number of trainers to convince them that Gym Buddy platform is for them. Yeah, so in my head, I envision three kind of approaches with this business. The first is Beach C, which is people downloading the app. The second one I'm calling Beach T, which is business to personal trainers, which is where sure. trainers can sign up to the platform and then sign their users up. And the way we're planning on doing that is like every trainer who signs their user up, we're going to give them a referral link. So if they're user continues to use the platform afterwards Mm -hmm. but with a paid subscription they'll be given an affiliate sale from that for the duration of that user's lifetime on board the third one that i see is like the b2g which is like business to gym 
and that's mm-hmm. the same kind of deal as with the personal trainer except on a much larger scale for gyms to be able to sign up and sign up their members and get just a bit of an affiliate deal with it so is that it's beneficial for both of us to actually do this partnership no that makes a ton of sense so you've got those kind of three segmented models going forward and the referral fee is probably a good way to go you talked about the app but if in the consumer it's a subscription-based app what made you go down that route for monetizing the app so i explored a few different ways to do this and thankfully i got a good bit of feedback from trainers that i know one thing we thought was like a feature-based pricing where like they'd get discounts the more clients mm-hmm. they got on board and then mm-hmm. the more clients they had the more features we'd unlock and stuff like that because they might not need them for one or two clients but they might need them for 20 or 30 clients but that that just ended up being too complex and originally it was a pay-as-you-go thing that you just paid to generate a workout and then once your okay. workouts were done you have to pay again and then it was one of the users that I do to play some sports on the weekends. I said, oh, it would be better if I just didn't have to keep entering in my card details. And then that's when I just thought of doing subscriptions. <laughs> it's also easier for, on my side, for analytics and stuff like that. The one-time purchases and stuff from the App Store are hard to capture. But doing subscriptions, it just it shows a lot better in kind of trends and graphs, and it's easier to track. It's also easy to make sure that users are getting the right features. So instead of just a one-off payment that doesn't get saved to their profile or anything like that, I can say, okay, this user has a subscription. I'm mm. going to give them mm. features A, B, C, and they, they get the whole app for the subscription. And okay. Subscriptions have come under fire more recently in Europe anyway because there's some new legislations coming down. For those not in the mobile development ecosystem, Apple and Google take 30% of the money that you generate through anything that you sell through their app stores. After year one, that drops to 15%, I think. Isn't that correct? But the European Union came in with a ruling very recently to allow for alternative payment mechanisms. So what's your own thoughts on that, Evan? How do you feel about 30% of your monthly fee going to the two giants of Apple and Google? And are you planning to put an alternative subscription mechanism perhaps into the app in the future yep so yeah it's quite a hard pill to swallow when Mm. they take that Mm. much of a chunk especially especially when you're just starting out Mm. like it's hard to get users on and it's even harder to get paying users on board so seeing 30 percent of that disappear is quite hard i have had a good thought about this and after exploring a few options i'm going to make it so is that users can sign up through the website okay. and so in effect what this will do is uh, so basically with an app on the app store if you want to process payments through that you have to use the in-app purchases for apple mm-hmm. but if i allow the sign up to be on my website then i can go through stripe which has much lower processing fees and commission fees mm-hmm. so instead of 30 percent going out it might be one or two percent i think it is so that's something that we're going to explore over the next couple of weeks as well because yeah as you said like 30 percent is quite a lot we'll probably keep it at the subscription model but i'm also considering introducing like a one lifetime payment option Mm. as well but in order for then like referral programs and stuff to make sense for the personal trainers it's gonna there's a lot of moving parts to be considered a lot of pros and cons 
to every approach. I don't think there's any golden bullet to try and charge people money to use your product. Like you just have to kind of see what fits, what people are willing to pay for it and then go from there. Yeah, it's a, it is incredibly tough. I think especially on, on the internet, people are used to getting so much services for free and for nothing. I'm always trying to educate people that if it's for free, you're the product. It's simple as that. And we know all of that from social media, et cetera, as well, too. But the app store, I think, is a unique case whereby, as you said, you've got startups trying to get their app out there, trying to build something for the use of customers. And again, giant companies taking 30% straight off before you even see that monthly return from Apple or Google come into your bank account. I think it worked well at the start because they made everything so much easier for developers to monetize their app. But I think now there's so much alternatives out there. And I think that in essence, it's a hard pill to swallow, as you say, for startups and people trying to gain the ground. You're you're trying to charge a monthly fee. That's very hard to educate people that 30% of that is not actually going to the developers. And at the end of the day, you need food and heat and light and lodging and everything to try and make a business out of this. So it's been interesting to watch this, how this space progresses and putting alternative payment and subscription mechanisms in their apps will transpire. You spoke at the very beginning, Evan, about how quickly you put this app together. So let's talk a little bit about the tech stack and what's behind it. You built this solely on your own over, as you said, a matter of weeks. Tell us a little bit about how you built it and the core technologies that you're using in GymBuddy. Yeah, so the main app itself is built using React Native. And mm-hmm. I'm a React developer in my day job, so it just mm-hmm. made sense to me to go with something that I could pick up a bit quicker because it just meant that I could get something out there faster. And then it compiles for iOS and Android, which was just a win-win sure. all around. I was actually at a meetup in the MongoDB offices before the one that we met at, and mm-hmm. there was a cool talk on using Realm. And straight away, like I could see how powerful this was because there's people in the room signing up for the game that this guy had designed, and mm-hmm. like, straight away the results started coming up on the board in real time. One of the things that I don't like about generative AI is its speed. Like it could take a bit two minutes to generate a workout, mm-hmm. but using Realm, I'm able to generate it like one workout at a time and have those workouts start appearing on the app. So instead of it taking that kind of two, three minutes to generate everything, I can just generate as I go mm-hmm. and make sure that appears for the users a lot faster because end of the day, your users don't care what technology you're using. They just want something quick. And yeah, it just provided a very easy way to do near real-time syncing to the device. Mm-hmm. It's also quite handy from the admin dashboard to the mobile app. Like I can update someone's workout and straight away they'll see that result updated in their phone. And so it just really took a lot of the pressure out of all the crowd operations and all of the kind of real-time syncing that I was thinking about trying to do with GraphQL subscriptions at first, and, but now I don't have to. It also keeps the app kind of alert awake because I'm not writing as much boilerplate in order to get this stuff working mm-hmm. in near real-time. Excellent. Uh, That's yeah, a good as advertisement as any for Realm. So for those more familiar with the rest of MongoDB's catalog of products and services, Realm is our essentially on-device mobile database that we have a number of SDKs that you can use for all the 
popular languages and frameworks and platform, Java.net, React Native, as you mentioned, Evan, Swift, Node, Kotlin, you name it, it's all there. But we also have a number of services bolted on sync and authentication and functions and triggers, et cetera, as well, too. You heard about it at a meetup and then you deployed it into the app. I think that in itself is a great proponent of why meetups, especially from a developer relations point of view, are so successful sometimes. It's great to see somebody somebody building something. So you saw the speed of Realm and what it could do for you. So it, you were quick to adopt that. How did you find that learning curve? How, warts and all, how was our docs? How was our community? How was our forums? Yeah, when I first looked at the docs, I found them slightly confusing. Like I remember okay. one page, went through how to install it, and then the next page was a few steps later. But since then, I've looked at the docs again. They seem to have been updated, so they flow nicely. But yeah, my, most of my kind of learning with Realm was trial and error stuff. Okay. Looking for GitHub examples and the likes of that to see how people are doing stuff. I also use a lot of TypeScript in it, so getting mm-hmm. everything typed and working correctly was something that I had to get a bit more used to. Like I've only really gotten stuck in like heavily into TypeScript in the past two, three years. Like it was mm-hmm. mainly JavaScript before that. So yeah, I still have a long ways to go on learning everything about that. That's just a rabbit hole of infinite depth <laughs> when you start going <laughs> down the TypeScript route. Um, but yeah, it was cool once I got everything set up. So like I'm using it for authentication and I'm using it for anytime a user signs up to my app, I use a mm. trigger to give them an initial workout. So it's okay. like the first week is always free. Here's a workout, try it out, see if you like it. So that was like so simple to set up because it was just creating a JavaScript function and then mm-hmm. creating some trigger that was handled for me to fire it off. And so once that was in place, I just was able to forget about it. Like that's mm. there and it works anytime a user signs up now. And you used authentication you mentioned as well too. So again, that just helped you not write some extra code that you didn't need to write essentially. Yeah, it just took that kind of headache out of it. Like other projects I've used Auth0 and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I just decided to keep everything on the same stack for this one. So having the authentication provided by the app services was just a nice way to do it. At the moment, I'm also looking at enabling Google authentication and Facebook authentication with it. Mm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a matter of finding the time to actually get stuck in and do that. So you've got triggers, you've got authentication, and obviously you're using Realm for the local storage as well too. And you'll see what other app services you might build in the future. We spoke about AI in the introduction. It was obviously the thing that set Jim Buddy apart from some of the competition that you saw out there. Tell me similarly about the learning curve for AI for you. That technology is so new. I would imagine you say there was maybe a gap or two in the MongoDB documentation for Realm. Was there any documentation for for any of the AI tools you were using or was it mostly trial and error for you? No, AI was 100% trial and error. Yeah, it was just, it was going in, trying out a prompt, seeing what the output was. And some of the earlier prompts actually spat out some lewd results. I definitely couldn't use those <laughs> prompts. And I'll just tell you the prompt. It was like, give me an exercise to make my arm muscles bigger. <laughs> and I'll leave the rest to your listeners' imagination. But um, we won't go we won't go there. It's a family <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that required just a lot of trial and error and a lot of 
kind of telling it what not to do. So like you'd say, mm -hmm. oh, give me your workouts. Okay, here's your workouts. Okay, give me your workout, but don't say, okay, here's your workout. I don't want that part of the data just spit out the workout so that I can grab the data out of the string. Okay. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of trial and error then to get that just so that it would consistently spit out exactly what we needed. And then I kind of had to bring away the sound to store what it was generating. So okay. we started storing that in the exercises database. So the more stuff was coming up, like the more exercises we were getting into that database. And now the kind of plan is that we'll use that to start training models to see what exercises are good for the type of people that are using them. Like one thing that ChatGPT can't do is you can't say to it, oh, I'm a 50-year-old heart patient. Give me a workout that's suitable for me. It will say back to you like, oh, no, I'm just a language model. I don't know anything okay. about that. We want to work with some industry professionals to figure it out as well. But basically, we want to start figuring out like, how do we generate that workout for that person? Mm -hmm. or how do we generate a workout for someone who may be recovering from some sort of injury and stuff like that? And there's a few ways that we can do it, but yeah, still early, early days in investigating that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think obviously early early days in AI in general, or at least the public consumption of a lot of the AI tools that we have now. ChatGPT was thrown out to the world just in November, version three in November of last year. How have you seen the changes? It seems to me that week on week they're getting better all the time. How have you seen the changes yourself in the few months that you've been working with ChatGTP? I know you're going to move across maybe as well too, but how's it been? Yeah, I think the amount of tools that I'm just seeing come out every mm -hmm. day is absolutely monumental. Like the amount of tasks that are getting automated. I think it was written before there was a legal firm that replaced their entire paralegal team with ChatGPT because it could generate the same, it could generate like all the letters that they needed. So yeah. unfortunately, I think a lot of people lost their jobs due to that. So it's definitely going to change the way people work. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's definitely going to change like how jobs are done and stuff like that. Like in some ways, probably for the better, in some ways, probably not. There was a really good quote that Eric Richard from HubSpot told us about it. He said, this is probably the most important invention since the discovery of fire. Wow, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, that's big words. It's de it's definitely going to change a lot of things. It's going to automate so much. Like the other day I saw this trend emerging of AI employees where people are just setting up an AI to answer their emails. They're setting up AI to be... Mm -hmm. do a lot of secretarial duties or answer form questions about their product and i've seen so many ai coming out to create logos and create art and stuff like that and then i've also seen some of the cases where people have tried to use generative ai in the likes of photoshop like i saw one the other day it's like give me a nice beard and for some reason it gave the guy lipstick and a big handlebar <laughs> mustache <laughs> so i do think there is quite a way to go with this but yeah i definitely think it's going to change a lot of industries i also think a lot of jobs are probably going to change from being like generate this letter to learn how to leverage this ai to generate these letters in bulk mm. like you can see an emergence at the moment of these prompt engineer positions mm. and i think mm. the highest salary that i've seen from one of them was from nvidia and it was something like five hundred and twelve thousand a year oh, wow <laughs> and 
Like, I, I haven't read too much into it, but, like, in my head, I just thought someone's getting paid that for typing into ChatGPT all day. <laughs> I'd love to see the job ad for that. We want five plus years of ChatGPT experience for something that hasn't been <laughs> yeah. around for long enough. You see that from time to time. I think you're right. I think jobs will change. I don't necessarily think there's always a doomsday scenario where jobs are going to go I think just jobs are going to change. If we talk about the mobile space where Jim Buddy resides, it didn't exist essentially 15 years ago. You couldn't have built an app to put on a phone. And now look how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are employed by companies whose main platform is on your mobile device. I think it's incredible. If you could jump forward in the future, Evan, to like Jim Buddy version 10, how would you see AI in that? Ultimately, what's the goal with regard to how smart your app can get for people looking to keep on top of their workouts and training? So the number one thing that I thought with this from the start is that I never want to replace a personal trainer. I want to enhance their workflows. Mm -hmm. So eventually what I would like to see is Gym Buddy as part of every gym membership that people sign up for with some deal with the gyms just so is that gym staff have more time instead of going around and helping every single person learn every single machine in the gym or learn how to do everything which i want gym buddy to be able to do that and Mm -hmm. give people like really good like results and really good instruction on how to do that and then what that would do is free those people up for the time with people who probably like really need it like people with health conditions, people with disabilities, like they'd need a lot more help in the gym than you or Mm -hmm. I would. So Mm -hmm. it's the likes of you and I that I see switching over to AI to learn how to use this stuff and the likes of people who need kind of like more attention, more help to be able, like for gyms to be able to have the resources to be able to free up time to help these people and make sure that these people have that kind of availability there to be able to Mm -hmm. use the gym. Like eventually, I do want it to be like the number one software for gyms and personal trainers. That's just my ambitions at the moment. We'll see if we get there. And how about wearables, Evan? Is there a watch app in the future and getting onto wearable devices as well too for you? Yes. So I am currently investigating Apple Watch and Mm -hmm. smartwatches. I don't think it can be done through React Native, so I have a bit of a learning curve, mm. curve ahead of me with that. You might but have yeah, to go native then. Native. <laughs> but yeah, eventually the plan is that your watch will tell you, like, oh, it's time to work out, give you your schedule, and you'll be able to record your results directly onto the watch. If that's mm-hmm. true, a bit of typing, or if that's just talking into your watch, like just some way to keep track of what you're doing, when you're doing it, and how well you're doing it. Mm. I think as well with wearables, we'll also get a lot of the advantage that we'll be able to track data such as like someone's heart rate so we'll be able to see okay like they're finding this way too easy let's up the intensity for them mm. you know this mm. person's doing deadlifts and their heart rate is 50 beats a minute they're either lifting air or extremely <laughs> fit <laughs> yeah, and yeah so yeah i definitely do see it in the future especially just to get more data on how our users are doing and like how we're pushing them mm-hmm. but yeah that's all hypothetical at the moment and coming down the tracks eventually okay and i know apple in particular obviously have their own fitness app and integration they have HealthKit, which allows third parties to work with and obtain information and exchange information with HealthKit. 
How much of a concern do you have, say, that Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference is just around the corner in the next week or so? Apple come out with a new fitness app powered by AI. Where does Jim Buddy? What does Jim Buddy do then, Evan? Oh, look! If that hap- if that happens, the thing has really hit the fan. At least it's been a really good learning experience. Uh, I always think of these side projects as mm. never being a failure because of the amount that I've learned with them. You know, and this I've really learned a whole lot of new technologies. Like I learned how to use the MongoDB app services. I've learned React Native. I've learned how to do that kind of real-time syncing between devices. And that's something that I carry forward then on onto the next project if Jim Buddy happens to go the wrong way. <laughs> Fingers crossed it, it won't, and it certainly won't. And I think there's always an angle. The bigger companies are great at producing really slick experiences, but they're big companies. They take a long time. And as you said at the beginning, you produce this very swiftly. It's only been in the market since, since March. For the next steps for Jim Buddy, is there anything currently that's hampering its growth in terms of any blockers for the things that you would like to achieve, Evan? At the moment, just time. Uh, okay. I have kind of set a bit of a limit on myself for from growing its audience too much at the moment because there are a few features on the personal trainer platform. Mm-hmm. There's a few features in the app that I want to get into a bit of a better state before I really do a big push with marketing and stuff like mm. that. And then, yeah, marketing is just hard. It's not my forte <laughs> at all. And then, yeah, actually, there's a funny story with our marketing. I woke up to 4,000 followers on our Instagram last week, and I was like, okay, what's going on here? Okay. Check the website mm-hmm. traffic. Nothing had changed. I was like, okay, that's, this doesn't really compute. So I started looking into the users, and, yeah, we'd been hit by a bot firm. Oh, cool. They were all bots. So I went in, looked at all the users. They were all following each other. And then I got a DM on Instagram be like, oh, hey, I just gave you a taste of how many users we can send you. If you pay me, I'll give you 100,000 followers. And I was just like, what the heck happened here? So I'm in two <laughs> minds about whether or not to delete the Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the kind of nasty part of social media in, insofar as what, what's the truth, what's the lies, what's everything else in between. And that can be super annoying for somebody starting out because you go, oh, did some trainer pick up my app and mention yeah. it? And all of a sudden, we've got loads of followers. Nah, it's a bot. No, it's yeah, so that, disheartening, I would imagine. And that's what I'd sent out a post the night before as well. And I said, oh, my God, it must have went viral. <laughs> that was my first thought. But, uh, one of these days. One of these days. Look, Evan, this has been a great pleasure to talk to you about your journey. You mentioned throughout that you were doing this for yourself, you to learn a lot of new areas, etc. as well, too. Where do you go to learn as a developer? You mentioned earlier a site that I had not heard of. There's an AI for that. So I'm certainly, for one, going to check out that website afterwards. Where do you go to keep up to date as a developer yourself? Yeah, a lot of the times I get articles in through Medium. But the vast majority of things that have inspired me to try something new have actually been from meetups. Okay. So I remember I went to a conference in Germany before and someone told me how he hacked his coffee machine with Bluetooth in order to be able to turn it on. Mm. And the first thing I thought was like, how does he get the cup under the spout? <laughs> but like that kind of made me have a little look into Bluetooth and I was able to play around and fly it little toy drone that I had in the house with Bluetooth. Mm. I went to that developer meetup in Dublin, heard about Realm, and that kind of inspired me to mess around a bit with that, and I ended up creating Gym Buddy. So a lot of the 
kind of things that kind of push me to learn something new have been for me up so just reading articles online and then that that's a bit of a mixed bag as well because a lot of the stuff that you see online is i don't know why but for some reason like startup founders have this absolute obsession with posting their monthly revenue oh yeah i've seen that like, oh look how successful <laughs> this is that's one thing i'm never going to do not because i don't want to share or anything like that but just because I, i'm not a bragger <laughs> and i definitely and i'm not really doing this to you know be able to go on twitter and brag about it like i'm doing this to actually try to create something that will help people in the long run mm, which is very altruistic and i love the fact that the meetups were very helpful for you and what you, what areas you went down i think after two years of covid there's a certain serendipity that happens at meetups and the physical in-person interaction exactly I wouldn't have met you, but for a meetup, then to hear about how you're using Realm and to twist your arm to come onto the podcast. So it's been a pleasure to have you. Just before we go, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience about, as you've had with GymBuddy now, this is a side project that allowed you to learn, that allowed you to build something about that experience for anybody looking to maybe do something themselves in that space. Yeah, so the one thing I'll say is, never go into a side project with the thought of this is going to make me millions mm. uh, that that's not why i did this or any of my other side projects like one other side project my wife was studying and uh, i didn't want her spending time alone up in the college on saturdays so mm-hmm. i went up and i built like a translations management tool but that for me was actually just to learn how to work with graphql uh, okay. while she was studying yeah. like all, i always approach side projects with the view of learning something Mm-hmm. And if they happen to be successful, then, you know, then they're successful and it's happy days all around. Evan, it's been a pleasure. And I think it's a really fitting way to sign off on our conversation today. Just before we go, give us those links again to Jim Buddy and also to the newsletter for those that might be interested in, in getting hands on with the app that you've built. Yeah. So for Jim Buddy, it's just jimbuddy.ai. And for our weekly newsletter, it goes out every Sunday. It's weeklyworkout.fyi. Excellent. And we put both of those links into our show notes, so you'll get them in there. But Evan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for joining us on the MongoDB podcast. Thanks for having me. A really enjoyable conversation there with Evan. Great to hear about how community events inspire him to build and explore his ideas. And it's amazing to hear how swiftly he built version one of GymBuddy using the Realm SDK. Certainly an app to watch out for in the app stores, and his ambitious plans for expanding their use of AI and GPT. We wish him all the best of success. So if fitness is your thing, jump to the show notes and get the GymBuddy app and the newsletter links. As ever, if you enjoyed our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and also leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And so from me, Shane McAllister, and the rest of the podcast team, until the next episode, do take care and thanks for listening.